Move over, boys. It's time for She's on the Mic with Bethany Bowman on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome into tonight's show. I'm your host, Bethany Bowman. We've got so much on tap for you this evening on this Tuesday night. What a week in Kansas City sports. Not only are the Chiefs in Vegas for Super Bowl 58, we found out this week that Kansas City will host some World Cup matches. And of course, Bobby Witt Jr., shortstop for the Royals, signing a long-term deal. He's staying in Kansas City. We've got a lot of guests here to break it all down. Haley Lewis and Ali Trost-Martin will join us as well as Jack Johnson for the Royals update and Bobby Witt Jr. news. So let's go ahead and bring in Haley Lewis of Bleacher Report and Kansas City Sports Network. Haley, you've been on the show a lot this season, and here we are into the Super Bowl. I'm so glad we get to talk again. Thanks for, as always, your time and joining us here on the show. Yeah, girl, there were some times this season where I didn't know if we'd be chatting in February. <laughs> I didn't even know if we'd be playing football this deep into the season. But, yeah, what a blessing. It's been so cool to cover them. And now we got a really exciting weekend coming up after opening night. It, it feels like it's finally here. I'm with you. You know, I had someone call me out the other day, and, uh, you know, after I was bragging on the Chiefs, they said, but uh, you had your doubts a few weeks ago. And I'm like, hey. Oh, I, so did I, everyone. <laughs> like, come on. I said, thank you. At least you're listening to the show. And, um, <laughs> yes, I did. I will fully admit that. Um, it just wasn't the season that we've uh, been used to in the past. It, it wasn't smooth sailing all along. But I think that that's made it so much fun. It's been uh, just great to see the Chiefs overcome adversity, show that they're that gritty team, and not everything has been easy and handed to you but I look at them I mean they've overcome yeah. so much it's been awesome to see I, I'm so proud of this team yeah I mean it's, it's been crazy I don't think anyone could actually say besides Patrick Mahomes and maybe that locker room that they didn't doubt the Chiefs of course you did I mean everyone was wondering everyone not necessarily everyone hitting the panic button but there was a lot of concern mid mid-season and after the Eagles lost, the Packers lost, and just things were not ebbing and flowing. And what I love about it is the fact that Mahomes, after every single game, was like, we'll get it right. We'll put our head down. We know that we have the talent to do it. And I was like, oh, do you? But, I mean, he proved, he proved me wrong. He proved everyone wrong. And I think that's what, what separates the Chiefs fact that they were able to do what they did have that lull be able to come back and they're playing hot at the right time and and they are far like well on their way to potentially locking in and a third a third Super Bowl title which is just it's hard to grasp that a third Super Bowl title of course for Patrick Mahomes that being I think you're absolutely right, you know, when you said who didn't doubt. Because Patrick Mahomes, as much as he takes the blame a lot of the time, when he mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily deserve it, um, he's such a leader. He does a great job representing the team in, in media functions and such. Uh, we saw his frustration this season. You know, receivers yeah. were getting hit in the hands and in the hands, and they're not coming up with that catch. And uh, he, as anyone would, visibly got a little emotional sometimes during those games. Uh, but like you said, just to be able to overcome that and mm -hmm. to, you know, just now be where we're at. What does that say about not only him, but just the team and these guys and how much true grit that they do have deep down? Yeah, I think that showcases his leadership, right? That he wasn't, the pressure never got to be too much. And I think that's what's kind of helped the Chiefs get to where they are. And I think that's going to continue to help them have that comfortability and, and ease when they're playing in the, in the playoffs in these big games on these big stages, right? That's like, 
that's something that is very, it's not really taught. Something you either have or you don't. And his mental stability and mental toughness is, is top notch. So for him to be able to keep locked in on the end goal and not let the outside noise, us included in that, you know, the media, the people who are, are spewing out the doubts and everything, for him to be able to find a way to function and stay just on top of his game with all that frustration because frustration leads to you know lack in execution on the field and he was able to gather it all so I think what it shows us is the leader that Patrick Mahomes is the type of organization that the Chiefs have and now here we are they've done it with Tyreek they've done it with a, a culmination of different wide receivers and now they're doing it with the defense and finding ways to win consistently is what builds you an organization like the Kansas City Chiefs have. This is not a betting expert show, but <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the lines. They're moving a little bit. I think it would have started out 49ers, a two and a half point favorite. Yeah. I think it's down. I saw last night some places have it down to one and a half. I mean, it's truly a pretty even matchup, but I don't know how you bet against Patrick Mahomes and his team. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, they were getting pretty fired up last night on opening night. You know, there was booze coming from the 49ers crowd, and we know how it usually works out for the opponent when you get guys like that riled up. So yeah. for me, I've got to take the Chiefs. This is not a team this year and how they played and what they have come from and where they are now. I don't think it would be wise to bet against them. And like you said, this is not a betting show. I'm not a better myself. <laughs> I probably know, you know, two or three licks about it. So please don't take all my advice if you're trying to put money on things. But I would say that it would be wise to, to – I would never bet against the Chiefs, especially after this season and what they've been able to do. And, yeah, you said it. They they thrive of a bulletin board material. And, and Coach Reed locks that stuff down. He makes sure that the Chiefs don't hand any out. And he really gets after players as they dish the media anything because he doesn't want to give them anything, the opposite sideline, anything to rile them up. But he will gladly receive it if you'll, if you'll send it their, their way. And so Nick Bosa already gave him a gym. I think that's great what he had to say about the O-line just holding the bunch. But, you know, today we found out from Coach Reed Jarek McKinnon unlikely to play as well as Joe Tooney. That's definitely going to hurt. Charles Aminahue being out, that sucks. You know, you can't you can't recreate what pressure he's been able to give off the edge, although they have next man up mentality. It's going to be tough. But you said it. It's evenly matched. So this is going to be a really um, – I think a tough matchup. I, I know a lot of Chiefs fans and experts are feeling pretty comfortable about the Chiefs going in and winning this big. I do see Kansas City winning, but I think it's going to be a gritty one. The, the 49ers have not one hell of a defense, but also one hell of an offense. So it's going to be a tough battle, but I, I, I oddly feel more comfortable about it than Baltimore. So I think that makes me feel better. Haley and I will not be held liable for any money lost after <laughs> listening to this segment. But what I can tell you is that the 49ers defense forced 11 more takeaways than Kansas City in the regular season. And the Chiefs offense turned it over 10 more times than the 49, 49ers. You know, you can look at those numbers and that's a compilation. So, you know, there, there were stretches where the Chiefs weren't playing the type of football that they want to play. So I don't yep. know how much I'm going to um, look into that. But we do know that the Chiefs are going to have to play a sound fundamental game. I do think that the defense is going to have to force, you know, at least one, hopefully more turnovers. Uh, I think they're the Chiefs are going to have to be clicking on all cylinders. But like you said, a lot of guys or a lot of people around Kansas City feeling comfortable going into this uh -huh. game after what we've been able to do in the playoffs. Do you, Haley, feel like this is the Chiefs' true ultimate test? Yeah, 
I think this is where the Chiefs can either cement their name in a dynasty or they will just prove that, you know, they got a little more time to, to, to get on that level of the Patriots. I think that this is their opportunity to prove that they are elite. It is not just a, a five-year span. It is something that's going to turn in and continuously be the Chiefs being the villains and bothering the rest of the NFL because they won't get out of the damn Super Bowl. You know, I think that this is going to be an opportunity for Mahomes to really put himself in that conversation for longevity purposes. We already know he's the, the best quarterback playing in the NFL right now. Now we're starting to talk about those legacies and, and things that will live on. So I think that they have to be, you know, you mentioned it, firing on all cylinders. All three units, special teams included, has got to be at their, at their A game to get this one done. But I also think that we haven't really seen those costly mistakes that really kind of bit them in the butt during the regular season in the playoffs. So if they can continue to play clean games and get the ball down the field as quickly as they have in the previous, you know, three games in the playoffs, then yeah, this one, this one should be theirs. But if they revert at all back to some of those struggles from the regular season, we've seen how quickly this thing can unravel. So it's going to come down to, you know, dotting your I's and, and crossing your T's. But I think if any team has a routine for the Super Bowl and actually knows how to do that, it, it's Coach Reed and, and the Kansas City Chiefs, right? You know, Mahomes saying, I'm going to treat it like any other Super Bowl week. That is such a flex that he has the ability to say that because he's now been there four times. So he has a Super Bowl week routine. And, and Coach Reed is very adamant about keeping his routine very consistent so these players aren't distracted by the outside noise of what goes on during the Super Bowl. And I think, you know, the, the one that they lost in Tampa, well, think back to what was going on. <laughs> there, was a, there was a pandemic wrapping up. There was, uh, well, also still very much so alive. A lot of things going on in Coach Reed's personal life that might have played into outside noise kind of bleeding over. But it seems like this team is locked in. And really, it's, I, I'm, I'm surprised that the Niners are still favored because I feel like this is the Chiefs to lose. I, I would agree. I would agree. And we have to give credit where credit's due to the 49ers for their comeback win sure. over the Lions. I mean, it takes a special group to to do what they did in that situation back against the wall. And while their defense, you know, really showed out, they were lights out in that second half, the offense, you know, they had a lot of points to make up. So yeah. looking at guys like Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, George Kittle, they have so many offensive weapons. Who for you or, or what position do you feel like the Chiefs defense and Coach Spaggs really needs to hone in on the most? Or is it, you know, true collectively just uh, a lot of things to worry about? I mean, you, you, you always are going to be worried about people like Kittle, Debo. I mean, but I, I, I'm really bothered bothered by McCaffrey. I think he's going to be a key for this team, and he's also someone that the Chiefs did not have to face back in Super Bowl 54. So this is a new addition. This is a guy – I mean, obviously there's a lot of new additions, right? It's a different quarterback this time around. But I just mean on the, in terms of he is a back that he can receive, he can run, he can make plays after the catch, how explosive he can be. Um, he will bulldoze his way through. And, and I loved watching him in college, you know. I mean, he was a phenomenal player. And, and, and back with his time with the Panthers, I mean, he's, he's a talent that is just generational. So I think he is going to be extremely hard to slow down. And that does worry me because of the Chiefs' run defense. But 
it's back we trust, right? Like he he should get more more praise than he does because of what he's been able to do and what he's been able to do consistently after he came here in 2019, overhauling the defense, the the personnel, the people that he brought in, and then what he has continued to do on a big stage in the playoffs over and over again. So McCaffrey bothers me. I think that he'll get his explosive plays. I think that's just a given um, in terms of how much that that affects the Chiefs. Well, it's really going to come on the, the the heels of the offense can they put up enough points to combat what we inevitably know the 49ers are going to do and can they shut that down enough to where their offense has a chance to to you know score more points than they're going to be able to put up because I think it's just at the end of the day it's inevitable that their offense will get going but if there's any defense that could particularly shut them down it's this Chiefs defense and how well they have been playing so yeah there are doubts there are worries but actually let me rephrase that there are worries not so much doubts Okay, I like it. That's a, that's a good point, too. I think if I'm thinking about what the Chiefs are focusing on, it would probably have to be the run game and, and Christian McCaffrey. Right. Because your secondary has been so good. Um, you know, if Brock Purdy does decide he wants to air it out, I think, you know, our guys. Oh, I wanted to. Our, oh, well, I go for it, buddy. You know, <laughs> I would love that. Our guys can, can handle that. And, uh, you know, no disrespect to Brock Purdy either. I mean, he has exceeded yeah. expectations. But, of course nickname mr irrelevant uh he kind of he looked last night on uh, on opening night so i saw a bunch of memes it was like you know brock purdy's just happy to be there he's just kind of <laughs> walking around aimlessly you know looking bright-eyed yeah. and, and patrick mahomes like i have done this a few times <laughs> yeah yeah i love i love Purdy's story i'm never gonna you know he you look at him and you're like oh he's just a, like the tiktok sound he's just a baby he's just a you kid and you're just like <laughs> This kid is up here playing with the big dogs, but you know what? That's because he actually is one. I think that you have to respect that that Purdy, I mean, look at maybe not necessarily his playoff run, but look at his regular season. He's done some elite and exceptional things, and he also did those at Iowa State. You know, he's, he's a standout guy, and I think he was given the right opportunity, the right offense to work within. I'm not saying, you know, you're, he, he's a, I don't want to say he's a system quarterback, but, you know, it's not like when you put the head-to-head of Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy, you, you don't even have to really question what's going to happen. It's more of what he's been able to do within the system that he's in and the, the talent that he has around him. So this is an opportunity for him to prove, hey, are you are you hanging with the big dogs or did you just, like, get invited in one night, you know? Like, is he actually an elite quarterback or was he just a guy in the right system at the right time with the right coaching staff? I think this will be a really big time and opportunity for him to kind of prove himself but there is no doubt what he has done has been exceptional you mentioned it earlier too you know talking about dynasty actually coach reed asked today by a reporter that apparently had asked him this last year you know do you feel like you're in the midst of a dynasty and um i think coach reed in typical fashion you know usually says oh we'll either we'll see or uh you know i'm not thinking about that right now um today he had a similar answer you know he said you just kind of go about what you're doing and you don't really you don't think about those things right now obviously we feel like the chiefs are uh well on their way if not already there but this win would absolutely solidify uh one of the one of the best teams just ever i mean look at what they've done over the past five years it's been amazing yeah it's, it's impressive to say in the least you know and we're starting to get used to it here in kansas city which is a, probably a bad thing but <laughs> coach reed's right you know you can't think about that stuff in the moment that's stuff you think about or you get to reminisce on you know and that's stuff that you you think about once you get past all this stuff so i know they're they're zeroed in on getting through sunday and 
like I said, I have all the confidence in Kansas City and especially the way that they approach this week that they'll be able to get it done. And hopefully, hopefully we got a parade coming here and, and we're celebrating yet again in Kansas City because it has been exceptional. Um, it is beyond elite what they have been able to do. And honestly, it's just special. It's special to see what Kansas City has become in such a short amount of time. And I hope it continues here. So just to finish off, and just for fun, uh, the betting odds came out for touchdown scores, and uh, obviously Ooh. Kelsey's like negative 30. Um, I believe <clears throat> Rasheed Rice is, is plus, uh, Justin Watson plus. Do you have a player that um, maybe you think is going to have a big play in this game, or are you riding with your usual, uh, you know, Kelsey Pacheco? H who is it for you? Okay, this is going to be a hot topic, so everyone just needs to calm down. I'm not, like, advocating for this person, but I guarantee you MVS gets a huge catch or a touchdown or some, like, game-solidifying thing because of the season that he has had and then because of what happened last week in Baltimore and what he's been able to do in the playoffs. I just I, I just have a feeling. I just think that he's going to come up big for this team and everyone's going to forget the sorrows of the regular season and um, that MVS is going to be that guy in this game so I'm, I'm watching out for him because playoff MVS is back as of the past three games and hopefully he continues to come up big here in this next one I like it and hats off to MVS you know he took a lot of heat but oh, yeah. he, he has came up really big lately I, I'm just loving what I'm seeing from him yeah right on his way to helping the Chiefs get their second Super Bowl title which is kind of crazy after everything that happened but I mean here's the thing nobody cares what happened the regular season as long as you're bringing home the Lombardi all right. Well, Haley, thank you so much. As always, I know you got a lot going on, so I'm going to let you get out of here and on to the next. But uh, hopefully we'll talk again next week when we're Super Bowl champions. Next show, we will know. Absolutely, girl. I hope so. And, hey, I'll hold you to it. That was Haley Lewis joining us here on She's on the Mic, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Don't go anywhere. More Chiefs talk with Allie Trost-Martin as well as some Kansas City soccer news right after this. You're tuned in to She's on the Mic with Bethany Bowman on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back into the show. You're listening to She's on the Mic on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm your host, Bethany Bowman. And of course, so excited to bring in a familiar voice to the radio and to the station, Allie Trost-Martin. Thank you so much, Allie, for being here. So excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on with you. This is like the best week of the year leading up to the Super Bowl, which here in Kansas City, I think we've all just gotten a little too used to, but uh, I'm still soaking in all of the excitement. What a what a fun time to be talking sports in KC. Yeah, so we just talked. Uh, you corrected me. I called you a Kansas City native. I completely forgot. You're actually from <laughs> St. Louis, but, you know, you embody everything Kansas City. You've been here long <laughs> enough that I'm just going to consider you you know, a Kansas City and just how much fun has it been to to be around this? I mean, you told me you got here the year that Mahomes was drafted. So I guess you were the good luck charm. You, you and him came together and just really brought so much to Kansas City. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I will take no credit for everything <laughs> that's happened in the last, you know, what, five, six years, however long it's been since Mahomes is just basically come in and like blown up the entire NFL made it impossible now for anybody else to win. But no, I I'm from St. Louis, but definitely feel like this special connection to Kansas city and, um, you know, feel like, feel like in a lot of ways, I'm a Kansas city and at heart, it's been such an honor, like getting to cover all of the teams here in Kansas city for as long as I did and working at eight ten. I will like never forget 
the excitement of that year that the Chiefs went to and then eventually won the Super Bowl. Um, I was in Miami on Radio Row getting to do all of that coverage around it, and it's just continued to feel absolutely surreal. But I think what was so neat about this year's run is how much adversity this team overcame. Like, all of the the times throughout the regular season where you question, does this team have – what it takes to make a run in the postseason, especially given that they didn't finish as high up uh, in the AFC as they would have needed to to have home field advantage. And then it was like, okay, can Mahomes go and win on the road? And the answer to all those questions is yes. Yes, he can. And I think, you know, the postseason for any sport, it's all about getting hot at the right time. I always say it's about being hot and being healthy. And right now the Chiefs, outside of a couple of players, are as hot and as healthy, especially if you look at Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes going into the last few playoffs has always had some sort of, like, really serious ankle injury that he's somehow been able to play through to still, you know, scrape out a a win and and lift the Lombardi trophy. But, you know, right now I think the scariest thing, if you're a San Francisco 49er fan, is the fact that, oh, my gosh, Patrick Mahomes is healthy. And if Mahomes is healthy – He doesn't need a lot of time, and he doesn't need uh, the chips to, you know, be, like, on his side. He can make absolute magic happen. So I'm going with the Chiefs to win it this year again just because I think the experience and the fact that you have the biggest X factor in all of the NFL and Patrick Mahomes, I think that's going to be enough to edge them past. So fingers crossed. We'll see. I'm obviously rooting hardcore for the Chiefs here. Yeah, and like you said, the team overall, uh, really a great report. I think Joe Tooney is a, a long shot. Andy Reid today said to go. Um, Jarek McKinnon probably not. Charles Aminihu obviously out. But that's a very short list considering we've gotten through an entire season and we're feeling pretty good heading into this last game. Yeah, 100%. I think that's going to be the, the biggest difference for this team this time around. It was the health, particularly on the O-line or lack thereof, was why the Chiefs lost to the Bucks in that 2020-21 season. So that health and then just the fact that I think this team really came together through some of those really tough games. And, you know, we saw so many receivers, Travis Kelsey included, dropping, you know, easy passes, like losing games in ways that just felt so uncharacteristic for this Chiefs team. You know, did they have the, the talent to get it done? Did Mahomes you know, kind of run out of his luck. He was looking like he couldn't make this group of receivers come together to do what they needed to do. And I don't know what clicked, but something did. They caught the right swing of momentum at the at the right time heading into the end of the season, into the postseason. So I think all of those factors are going to give Kansas City an edge, but it's going to be a great game. It's a Super Bowl. Anything can happen. Neutral site. Uh, but what a cool backdrop to Las Vegas. It's going to be uh, really, really fun. And I mean, man, can you imagine seeing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs lifting a third Super Bowl trophy? And I mean, just the shortest amount of time. It feels, it feels insane to say, uh, but what I think I've learned in covering this team is that, you know, just you got to keep increasing your expectations because this team and this player in Mahomes and, of course, with Andy Reid as well, they just keep exceeding those expectations. Absolutely. Well, you know, there's a lot going on in Kansas City right now. Obviously, as you know, you know, when the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, it's kind of Chiefs, Chiefs, and more Chiefs around here. But there is a lot more to talk about. And, Allie, you're doing great things right now with CBS Sports Galazzo Network. And so we're going to get into some soccer here. Kansas City found out what 
uh, matches they're going to be hosting in the FIFA World Cup 2026. So we're looking at four group stage games and then also a quarterfinal matchup and a, let's see, and a round of 32 matchup. So six awesome games we can be excited for in 2026. I mean, how awesome is that to see soccer coming to Kansas City like that? incredible and I have to give so much credit to all of the very hardworking people that have been prominent in the sports and the soccer scene here um, both with the KC Sports Commission and with Sporting Kansas City uh, and the KC Current as well you know how much so many people have have done behind the scenes quietly over you know not even just the last couple of years but even longer than that to try and make Kansas City a a true player in the bid for being a World Cup host city. And I remember somebody saying um, after Kansas City found out back in 2022, I believe it was, um, that they would be getting, you know, that they were a World Cup host city. Like when they found out that they were awarded their bid, um, some, I forget who said this, but basically that nobody wanted it more than Kansas City. And I think that's so true when you think about KC sports fans in general. I think like this is such a passionate city. It's brimming with so much, you know, support for just growing and, and advancing what the perception of Kansas City is. And, and I think that collective mindset has put this city in a really good position to start becoming a more appealing place for not just things like the World Cup, but as we saw, the NFL draft, all of these massive events that are going to just put this city kind of at center state and so i'm really excited um to have all of these people traveling in to experience some of the best competition in the sport of soccer that that you see in the entire world right here in our own backyard so it is a huge achievement for the city there's still so much work that is happening every single day to make sure that every single logistic and uh, you know everything in that kind of arena is accounted for but it's going to be unbelievable and I really think like for not just Kansas City but for the sport of soccer which you know here in the U.S. is still a very much growing thing you know professional soccer in the U.S. on the MLS side is only like about 30 years old, which is like crazy, not even 30 years old yet. So I think the sport here still has a long ways to go. And it's competitions like this that help really develop that next generation of fan. And so for Kansas City to help make those magical connections through the experience um, is going to be really, really cool to see. And I just know that Casey's going to knock it out of the park, just like they did with the draft. I mean, how many people watch the draft? And they're like, damn, Kansas City, like you guys really put on a mm -hmm. show. And I think you know, like people here really care about these types of events and, and have a lot of city pride. It's why you see people walking around with the Charlie Hustle Casey Hart shirt. Like people love Kansas City. And I think having this kind of opportunity to position Kansas City on a global scale is just going to bring out that pride and that passion tenfold. And I just know five years from now, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and, and be able to see you know, and quantify the impact that Kansas City had in helping grow soccer here in the U.S., regardless of, of what games and teams and, and, you know, nations are being, you know, are, are playing here and participating in games here in KC. So 2026 will actually be the first time the men's tournament has played games in the U.S. since 1994. So that's awesome. And, and we're going to, you know, see all that firsthand right here in Kansas City. And then in 
the bid to be a host city, Kansas City actually beat out several larger metro areas, including Orlando, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. And then if you look at some of the other host cities, it's Atlanta, Boston, Dallas, Houston, you know, L.A., Miami, several others. And I think looking at the entire list, we are, you know, significantly outnumbered population wise. But like you mentioned, (laughs) what we might lack in numbers and people, we make up for at heart. I mean, this is a passionate city. Yeah. It loves soccer. I got to see that, you know, when Sporting KC had their big run to the MLS Cup this past season. I mean, the way that fans show up and show out for this sport is amazing. Yeah, I, and I think beyond that, too, like there are a lot of really smart and dedicated people here in Kansas City. I mentioned the teams at Sporting KC and the KC Sports Commission. I mean, these are the individuals who are working hard to make sure that it's not just we love soccer. We want, you know, the World Cup. But, like, how does that actually look? Like, let's get granular. What are the logistics? How can we make sure that this is a success? And even if, yeah, maybe we're lacking some things like, you know, really fleshed out, you know, public transportation options, finding ways to, like, mitigate some of those, in, you know, deficiencies to find the ways in which we can really step up to make the experience here a really good one for fans that are coming because you want people to come and leave with a good impression. And while barbecue definitely helps with that, you know, if you think about any time you go anywhere and have just like a good time, typically it's because logistically it just kind of, you know, worked out, right? Like Mm -hmm. logistics kind of can really be impressionable, whether it was like a good logistic experience or not. So I think like those things are going to be just as important. And all of this, but of course, with the brand new airport, um, which is obviously amazing. I had a layover in Kansas City recently, which like is kind of rare. I was traveling from New York to go to like, I think, Dallas or Houston and had like a stop in Kansas City, which was kind of funny. And it was like, man, this is great. I'm going to go grab some barbecue. I'm going to hang out by my gate, get some work done. And it was lovely. So I think, you know, there are a lot of things and advancements happening in Kansas City that's going to make and, and obviously helped make it an appealing destination for, um, you know, KC to, to win the bid for the World Cup. But just know that that hard work and all of the smart people who are making things happen behind the scenes right now, they are um, really, they're the ones that deserve so much credit for not just what they've already achieved in getting the World Cup to Kansas City, but what they will ultimately achieve in having a home run um you know, kind of experience for everyone, you know, come 2026. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that is going to sneak up on us, but it is not for a couple more years. But what is really close is, uh, you know, our home openers for Sporting Kansas City, Casey Current. Looks like Sporting opens up the season on Saturday, February 24th, but that is in Houston. And then their home opener at Children's Mercy Park will be on March 2nd against the Philadelphia Union. And then looking at the current schedule, they will host the Portland Thorns at home on March 16th. So, wow, I was looking at that and I was like, these guys and gals have such a short offseason. This might be the shortest offseason of any sport. That's crazy. Yeah, it is not a lot of time in between. And I'd say, like, even more so for the men's teams. And what's crazy is, like, you know, you want to go far, right? You want to make it to the final, but sometimes that like comes with the cost of, Hey, you're going to have a really short off season. And then MLS in particular, um, I think the off season would only have been like 
maybe um, like one month exactly before guys had to come back and already start reporting um, to their training. But it's also, you know, one of those things where it's just the reality of the job. And, and I think for Sporting Kansas City in particular, this next season, you know, the hope will be that they can just kind of pick right up where they left off. They were starting in the summertime of last year all the way through to the end of the season. I mean, they were in the Western Conference the best team by a lot of, you know, advanced statistical metrics. And, you know, it, it was a bummer that the poor start to the season really put them in a hole, but they ended up making one of those kind of Cinderella-type runs, but were almost deceiving in the sense that, yes, it was a Cinderella run, but they were actually a lot better team than what their place in the standings would have suggested. So, they retained, you know, some good talent. They did lose Gadi Kinda, which is a huge, huge loss. He um, went back home to Israel and is playing with Maccabi Haifa, but he was one of the absolute rock stars of the postseason. He was a little in and out of the lineup during the regular season, but in the postseason, you know, really was a difference maker for the sporting team. So a huge loss in Gadi Kinda, but they did sign Memo Rodriguez, who uh, has played in MLS before and is going to bring some more depth to the midfield. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if any more moves end up being made for Sporting Kansas City. But either way, this is a team that, you know, has the talent to go back and do what they did um, last season and do have a couple players that are going to be working back from some injuries. But I think the expectation is certainly going to be high and it's going to be for them to make the playoffs like they did last year, but just maybe a little bit more comfortably this time around. And then for the Kansas City current, I mean, man, you couldn't have more excitement going into a season than this one. I mean, there was the the news of the new stadium when it was announced a, a few years back. And, and I think ever since then, it's just been a constant build up to that moment when a match would be played for the first time at this brand new soccer specific stadium that was purpose built for a women's professional team, something that we have never seen before. And it's happening here in Kansas city. It is still so surreal. And the team got better in the off season. They brought in Vlatko Andonovsky, a seasoned NWSL and of course, former U S women's national team coach. He loves Kansas city. I think is going to come in and really, you know, put his stamp on this group and, and talking to a lot of colleagues of mine who have either played for him or know him well, they really feel like he will have a lot of success in Kansas city and that he is somebody who is really going to just, he just thrives in that club team environment where you can kind of work every single week and every single day. So I'm really excited to see what a Vlatko Andonovsky team looks like for the current, because I think if there's one criticism that you could have of this group, it's that, and it's not necessarily the player's fault, but they've just had so many different coaches in their short time as a club. And I think when you have so much turnover in that position, you're not just losing that, that leader in the locker room, but you're losing the consistency of a style of play of just, you know, everything that comes with having a leader who can just consistently put their hand on every single thing in operation. So I think for Kansas city, what I'd like to see the current have this next year is yes, you're going to have all this excitement with the stadium and all of that. That's wonderful. But more than anything, they need consistency and they need to have players knowing exactly how they fit in, what the style of play is, and then just playing players to the strengths of what that style is. And I, I sincerely believe Black Coat is going to bring that to this group, and I think it's ultimately going to produce uh, what, you know, I think the goals of this club are, which is to get 
trophies and to win. And I, I'm really excited to see what Kansas City does this season, especially considering how freaking competitive the NWSL is. Last season, we saw more parity than we've ever seen in this league before. So it's not going to be easy to win, but having home field advantage at a place uh, like the new CPKC Stadium is going to be a huge, huge X factor, I think, for this team. Absolutely. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, and you're getting me really excited for soccer. I didn't think that was possible in a week like this. But, uh, yeah, just so much hey, going football on. football and football. They go together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, so much going on in Kansas City. Uh, what a time to be living here, to be working in sports, and to be a fan of sports. It's so much fun. Allie, we, of course, always appreciate you joining the show and all your insight. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking soon uh, about the Super Bowl champ Chiefs and getting ready for even closer to the soccer season. I love it. Thanks so much for having me on, and let's go Chiefs. That was Allie Trost-Martin. Stay tuned right here on She's on the Mic Sports Radio 810 WHB. Jack Johnson and Bobby Witt Jr. and Royals News coming up next. You're tuned in to She's on the Mic with Bethany Bowman on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back into She's on the Mic. I'm your host, Bethany Bowman, here on Sports Radio 810. And, of course, we just talked with Haley Lewis and Ali Trost about a lot of things going on here in Kansas City. Not only the Super Bowl-bound Chiefs, so actually they're there, they're in Vegas. Soccer world is exciting right now in Kansas City. We're going to host some World Cup matches. But baseball, the Royals decide on an already busy week that they want to get in the mix, and they sign Bobby Witt Jr., to a long-term deal. I'm so excited. This is awesome. We've got Jack Johnson here with us, our Royals expert here at the station to uh, talk talk about this, break it down a little bit. I'm excited, Jack. How excited are you about this? Uh, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on, Bethany. I always love joining the show here. And how can you not be excited? This is uh, uncharted waters, some would say, uh, with Bobby Wood Jr. in this contract. I mean, shattering the franchise record by over $200 million. Um, And it also comes after one of the more aggressive off-seasons that they've ever had. You know, John Sherman and J.J. Piccolo wanted to make it a point that they were committed to winning, they were committed to spending money, but this was the the grand finale, if you will. This was the best thing they could have done. I would go as far to say if they didn't make any of those off-season signings and just did this extension, it still would have been a top-five contract and top-five off-season in their entire existence. So I... I thought something was going to get done to this magnitude. Probably not. Um, I was thinking more so on the lines of six to seven years because I thought Bobby Wood Jr. won to hit free agency before you know his prime was up. But the Royals had no intentions of him hitting free agency. You know, in his age 30, 31 season, the fact he got the double digit years, I was shocked by. I applaud the front office, the ownership, because that's hard to do. I mean, small market teams. They'll cry poor a lot, and the Royals have basically the entire time they've been around. You know, they don't spend a ton of money, but this offseason has been completely different, and this deal specifically has been the most different of them all. So you and I were both out at the K on Saturday Mm -hmm. for Royals Rally, and it's kind of fun to look back at, you know, that day. It was Mm -hmm. just, you know, 72 hours ago, but uh, to hear some of the things that Bobby Wood Jr. told us, Mm -hmm. That John Sherman told us, and then boom, like this deal comes out. I thought it was kind of cool. You know, John didn't say much about yep. he was asked about the status of, of mm-hmm. Bobby Wood Jr., where they were in, in the progress, and uh, he said, you know, we're working hard at it. Yeah. And obviously, I think he knew that it was uh, coming, Had to have, coming yeah, right? sooner, <laughs> coming sooner than later. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. said, you know, he'd love to get a deal done. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, this place has always felt like home. And then he reiterated that today 
in the press conference that they had um, saying, like, you know, he, this is where he wants to play. Of course, money. Uh, yeah, money talks. Factor. And, and the number was right. But I truly do feel like he thinks that he can build something here in Kansas City, especially with the moves, like you said, that they made this offseason. Even with Bobby's deal, it would have mm-hmm. been great. But I, I love the guys that he has around him, too. Absolutely. Now, this was a big part of it, too, in signing a player like this to an extension, right? It's not just about the money all the time. It's certainly a big factor, right? You're sitting on a a $300 million contract. You're going to feel pretty good about where you're at. But you also, I think, the competitor in you, which we know Bobby Wood Jr. is a very big competitor, you want to win as well. I think a a perfect example of where everything went wrong for a guy that signed a long-term deal is like Mike Trout. You know, yeah. One of the game's best players, I still believe, the best player I've ever seen. Now, Shohei Otani can get to that point. Funny enough, they were on the same team, never went to the playoffs. But that is something I believe players look at and go, you know, it's great to have a lot of money, but if I'm not playing in meaningful baseball, I want my legacy to be built up. And the Royals had to convince him it was worth staying here. It was worth signing an 11-year deal because we are building something special. So that's why I believe it's it's no coincidence that they signed Seth Lugo, Michael Walker, Hunter Renfro, Will Smith, you know, Chris Stratton trade for Nick Anderson, and they signed Adam Frazier. Not massive deals, but good enough deals to feel good about the season. And I think it's why they were able to get it done because they were showing him, hey, we're going to spend you know, $60, $70, $80 million additional in payroll and still pay you. That is commitment, and that's commitment we really haven't seen from the Royals' front office and their ownership in quite some time. I mean, even in the years they won the World Series, they weren't signing guys to long-term deals. They weren't shelling out a lot of money. It was, hey, we feel good that this team's good, and we're not paying them a lot of money. It's different now. They don't have the farm system to have a bunch of young, cheap guys. They have to be a little bit more aggressive if they want to win baseball games, and this is one step in, in going in the right direction. Bobby Witt Jr., Staying in Kansas City, that's important for fan support as well. This is arguably the greatest player that's been in Kansas City since George Brett, right? I mean, Carlos Beltran early on in his career in Kansas City, too, was was very, very good and comparable to Bobby Wood Jr. But in terms of the projection where he could be at, this could be the franchise's best player yet. And to see him walk away in five or six years, that would have been terrible for, for the brand of this team because what that would have done is just screamed poor again is, hey, you know, we're we're small market. We can't afford him. So what? You know, we're not going to pay him. You know, a lot of teams still do that. Oakland does that. Chicago does it. The White Sox, I should say. And the Royals, before yesterday, would do that because there were only three teams in Major League Baseball that hadn't given a player a $100 million contract. Royals decided this was going to have to be the guy we're going to break that threshold with, and thank God they got it done before the start of the regular season. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts. We just – talked about you know you mentioned hey like they're not gonna sit back anymore Mm -hmm. and not spend the money like they've made such a splash here in this season this offseason I should say where does that come from when Mm -hmm. when do they say okay now is the time that you know we need to do this is it out of you know I don't want to say desperation but you know is it like okay we're not gonna win the way that we've been doing it um, unfortunately, we have to shell out the money now. Mm-hmm. Kind of talk about why this is the right time to be making, like I said, just such a splash. I mean, there's been so many moves this offseason. Yeah, I think that going back to 2022, this was a, a kind of a, a three-year plan for them, almost of, you know, year one and year two, we really got to see what we have here. We got to see if we can replenish the farm system. We got to see if, if certain guys can play those spots and man them for 150 games or so. And last year... You know, you lose 106 games, you don't spend a lot of money, 
The reality is, and you and I both heard John Sherman say this on Saturday, was that they never wanted to see this again. They never want to go through a 106-loss season because there's nothing you can say to make fans feel better about it. If you say, well, you know, we had to evaluate, right? Well, fans will go, why didn't you spend money? We we, we are paying to come out and watch this team. If you're not going to invest, why should we invest? And I don't think it's a coincidence either that, you know, the stadium, the new stadium is going to be on the ballot. You have to show commitment to the team first if you want people to get on board and go, well, I actually would be on board with a downtown stadium. Because if you just keep, you know, pumping out 90 to 100 lost seasons and you're not spending money, why would anybody care about a downtown stadium? You want to see this team win first and have investment in it. And that is so poor. Now, I believe that, you know, at the very end of last year, they knew exactly what their roster was going to look like, roughly, I would say, um, by the time 2024 rolled around, they knew the rotation needed a lot of help. They needed more consistency. They needed the bullpen, needed a lot of help. They needed to add a few bats here and there. Yeah, but I think that they went into this offseason knowing that it kind of had to be now. It had to be now to get that fan support. And also, you know, you lose 106 games. If you don't have a good farm system, you got to start making moves. You got to start making this team more competitive on the field, the major league level, and then start hitting on those draft picks again. Because unfortunately, in the years they've been bad, they haven't had many opportunities uh, to replenish that farm system. You know, they've missed on a lot of trades. They've missed on a lot of picks, and that can't happen anymore. Uh, but I think in the meantime of replenishing that system, you want to build a winner on the field. And with the Central being as weak as it is, weak as it is uh, now is the perfect time to go for it. Now is the perfect time to give yourself a chance. And I don't think they overspent. They spend about the right amount of money that it takes to be one of those teams in the hunt for the title. I'm glad you said that because my next question is, you know, as human beings, we love instant gratification. We're not going to want to wait to see, uh, you know, reap the benefits uh, mm-hmm. of these moves on the field. We want to see this team win. Uh, I'm a person where, you know, I, I tend to be a little more lenient and, yeah. and give uh, people some grace and some time yeah. and, hey, it's coming. Um, but I know a lot of fans aren't like that. And so, do I mean, do you think these moves translate to a winning product on the field this season? Yeah, I think a lot has to come together for sure, um, right? Because you you paid guys for what they were last year, but that does not mean they're going to be the exact same player this year. Um, Things are going to change. Guys are going to regress a little bit. Um, That's why people go off projections a lot of, hey, they can win this amount of games because last year this guy was really good or this guy was bad, he's going to bounce back. It's just, it's never linear. It's never going to be a guarantee in baseball But I do think they've got a good chance. I think uh, more than anything, they've raised the floor of this team. Where last year, there wasn't really a floor. It could bottom out as bad as it possibly could with injuries and guys not performing. And I think this year, you added more experience and guys that have done this before. Uh, Guys that have, you know, anywhere from five to ten years at the major league level. And when you do that, they know how to handle a lot of adversity. Where last year... Young guys going through this for the first time, they may not know how to handle long slumps, you know, where you're hitting mm-hmm. 140 in the first couple weeks of the season, like a Michael Massey, or when MJ Melendez was struggling mightily. Like, if you've got guys around them that have been there before, I mean, I, I think veteran presence can be a little bit overrated, but what I don't believe is overrated is if you put together five, six years of good numbers, you can do it at the major level. You, you've seen that happen before. And that's why I think, yeah, I believe they've done enough to compete. Whether it's good enough for a title, I think a lot of that comes down to what does Minnesota do? What does Cleveland do? Detroit do? Because those are teams that over the last couple years, they've been far more competitive than the Royals. I think the only team I would feel confident saying the Royals are going to finish ahead of, no doubt, is Chicago because they're in a full rebuild now. Cleveland, 
I think they're kind of neck and neck with, and then Detroit and Minnesota are those two teams that are above them right now. But I think they can compete for the majority of this season for sure. An interesting thing that uh, I think John or maybe J.J. Piccolo said on Saturday, uh, I didn't realize that the Royals were, what, second in run scored yep. in the division last year. Mm. Uh, so kind of like you said, things need to come together. Sometimes mm. uh, the overall product looks bad. And it's like, you know, there are some bright spots here and there. Yep. You know, I think the pitching would need to be a lot better, uh, I guess, from that statistic to uh, even out that, that number. But, um, you know, just like you said, things coming together mm -hmm. it needs to be an entire product but yep. they do have some things that they can lean on and look back at and be proud of yeah there absolutely were some positives in an otherwise dismal season Bobby Wood Jr. being one of them Cole Reagan's Michael Garcia um, there were bright spots on that team and yeah with J.J. Bacola and John Sherman pointing that out it's 100% true that this offense was better than people really give them credit for it really the big issue was they had no pitching they didn't have any rotation they didn't have a bullpen and you know I look at somebody like Detroit Detroit had a putrid offense an absolutely dismal offense but they had stability in the rotation they had stability in the bullpen and they were in that divisional race till September it is not a long shot to think the Royals can do the exact same thing if the rotation and bullpen stabilizes out because I believe right now the Royals offense can be better than Detroit's again Detroit didn't significantly upgrade their offense. There's good hitters in that lineup, but there's a lot of guys that struggle just as much as Royals hitters. And I think that's why um, it was such an emphasis to, you know, reload the rotation, reload the bullpen. Because if you can stabilize that out, that's, that's the difference in you being in this thing in the second half of the season and being out of it by April, which has happened a lot more than Royals fans would want to over the last few years. Some news today, actually, just looking at my ESPN app, and it mm -hmm. uh, doesn't affect us much in the AL Central, but Clayton Kershaw to the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought that Clayton Kershaw was going to spend his entire career in L.A. There's been a couple of off-seasons that, you know, Texas would be rumored because he's from there, you know, want to go back to his hometown to finish out his career. But now, more than ever, there's no reason for him to go anywhere else. This is his best chance to win a World Series uh, to still be one of the top pieces in that rotation. It's a great move by the Dodgers. Shockingly, they've had a fantastic offseason, spending over a billion dollars. But Clayton Kershaw, I think he's always been one of those guys that he wants to, you know, finish things where it all began. And, you know, L.A.'s going to be that team that has no problem bringing him in. I think a lot of other teams may overthink it, whether it be age or contract. The Dodgers don't have to worry about that, right? They're going to give a guy $20 million, $25, $30 million and not even you know blink an eye or something like that. Kershaw's not going to make anywhere near that, I don't believe. But, you know, it's it's a good fit. You know, he was great last year. He, you know, seems to get better with age sometimes. But, yeah, I, I never really had any feeling that he was going to go anywhere other than L.A. Must be nice to have that kind of money, throwing it around and uh, not worry about it. But I am proud and excited about what the Royals have done. Uh, as you mentioned, small market. Mm -hmm. We don't have that kind of money, but it's been awesome just to see the Royals really making a true commitment to this team. Absolutely. This has been a fun offseason. Can't wait for spring training to roll around. This is a team that um, I think is going to make people want to go out to Kauffman Stadium a lot more this year, and hopefully it all comes together. But uh, hard not to be impressed with what they've done this offseason. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jack. I appreciate it. Always great having you join. And next uh, big Royals move, we'll have you back. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on, Bethany. That's it for tonight's edition of She's on the Mic. Special thanks to our guests once again, Haley Lewis, Ali Trost-Martin, and Jack Johnson talking all things Super Bowl, Chiefs, Bobby Witt Jr. contract extension, World Cup coming to Kansas City, and so much more. It's hard to believe we're just 
five days away from the Super Bowl Chiefs versus 49ers in Super Bowl 58. All your coverage right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And stay tuned for more. We've got The Shift with Jack Johnson in studio and Sterling Holmes from Radio Row coming up next right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB.